The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Like I was saying, my name is Aaron. If I've not had the chance to meet you yet, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at The Grove Church. And if you're online, hopefully you can hear me now, uh, but I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of our gathering online in the comfort of your own home or wherever you're at today. We are continuing our What's Next series. I always count it an honor to be a part of a series that we do at The Grove Church. Uh, And thank you to Pastor Nick as he has gone on vacation today for allowing me to be a part of it. Uh, We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. So feel free to open your Bibles if you brought one to Acts chapter 2. You can open up your phone app as well. Uh, But if not, the scripture will be on the screen behind me, and you'll be able to be a part of that too. Uh, As you're turning there, i got a couple things for you. The first is Easter weekend is going to be amazing. You just heard about all of our times. It's confusing. There's a lot of different things going on, uh, but we're really intentional in wanting to create as much space for people as possible to join us here at the Grove Church for our Easter weekend. Uh, And so I just want to mention this and make you aware of it for Easter weekend only, because we are anticipating uh, people to show up and wanting to create as much space as possible. We're going to ask that everyone who's intending to join us online or join us in person Uh, that you would just register online. We have the form that's actually live today. So you can jump on that on the church, growth.church website and click the Easter button and be able to sign up online just to register. We're just trying to make sure we have enough space for everybody. That's the biggest reason. So we'd love for you to be able to be a part of our in-person. So feel free to do that today. We'd love for you to join us Easter weekend. It's gonna be amazing. Uh, I jokingly say this, uh, I'm celebrating Esther on Easter Sunday because that's my daughter's one-year birthday, but um, I'm also celebrating Jesus and his resurrection because it's a cool thing. So don't miss the weekend. Uh, I have a question for you today. Have you ever been a part of like a club or a group? Uh, you belong to it and you realize the actual cost of being a part of it is not worth it? Anybody? Some of you are like thinking Costco and I would disagree with you, but uh, for me, just to be transparent, uh, as, a, as a young dad, uh, I have three kids now. Disney Movie Club is that for me, okay? Uh, I signed up because you got a whole bunch of movies for like a buck, uh, and I'm cheap that way most times, and so I signed up. And then, how many ever years later now, um, I'm still a part of this club, and every month have to go into my email to reject their recommendation. Because if I don't reject it, what happens is they send it to me, and then I'm paying for a movie I don't really want. Uh, So I've, I've gotten to the point where I realized what I get from this club is not worth the investment of my time anymore. And I bring that up because I think it's interesting that we can hear a message like last week by Pastor Nick talking about following Jesus requires us to lay down our lives. And we get to a point, if I'm just being honest with you, this is me, that I get to a point where I wrestle with God is following you enough. Am I getting enough out of this sacrifice that you're asking me to do on a regular basis? Now let me fast forward for a moment. Absolutely, yes. I would not change a thing. I would follow Jesus all my life, for the rest of my life, every chance I get, knowing what I know now. But it's interesting to me how easy we can come into this world and come into our faith with this mentality of what can I get from it? Because I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's the picture we'll find in Acts chapter 2, which as I was reading through this passage this week, I was challenged, I was excited, and I was inspired to be a better follower of Jesus. And I think it starts with understanding laying our lives down, but then what's next? And so I'm excited to be able to jump in to this passage with us for a few moments. I'll pray, and then I'll share a few thoughts and lead us to a dismissal. promise I'll get you out of here on time. But it says this in Acts chapter 2, if you're reading along with me. I'm also convinced the bigger your Bible, the more spiritual you are. So no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Wanted to have a little bit of fun. 
uh, says this, and, and just so you know, my Bible, this is a Christian Standard Bible. I've been, this is the translation I've been reading lately. I love the heading of this passage, this section. It says, a generous and growing church. And I want to be a part of a generous and growing church, and I, so it's fitting today to read through this passage. It says this, verse 42 of chapter 2. It says, they, referring to the early disciples, the early followers of Jesus. Let me give you a little bit of context for a moment. This is after Jesus had died and rose again. He met with about 500 different people throughout the course of 40 days. He showed up, said hi to him, said, hey, I'm alive, check me out. And he said, hey, now go wait. I want you to gather with everybody and wait for the moment the Holy Spirit sends you out. And so the Holy Spirit then shows up in Acts chapter 2, empowers the believers, and sends them out for ministry. It was in that moment where it began, began to become about what they were called to do, not what they were called to receive. Sort of segue there. So then we fast forward. Peter has this moment. He preaches an incredible message. 3,000 are added to their numbers that day. And then we pick up in verse 42, right after this, where Peter says, hey, repent and be baptized. Because they were asked, what do we do? What do we do? Repent and be baptized. Then verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. It says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as, may, as many had need. Every day they devoted themselves, there's that word devoted, to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. You ever been to a dinner party and it's just boring? Not the, not the early church. It says they broke bread, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. I'm going to pray and then share a few thoughts. So Lord, today we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you today for your word that is alive and active. And we thank you that you're here in our midst, ready to speak to our hearts, to challenge us. So Lord, we give you the next few moments. Would you speak directly to each of us? Lord, may my words glorify you and may the things of me fall away so that you would only receive the, the forefront platform. I thank you today for the opportunity to preach your word. I pray it would pierce our hearts and, and challenge us to follow you more faithfully. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. The one of the things that I love about this passage, it starts off and it says, they devoted themselves. The Amplified translation says it this way. It says, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves. This word devotion, this word devoted is a picture of steadfast and single-minded devotion to a certain course of action. So the early church, the early followers, were single-minded and steadfast in a course of action. It then begs the question, well, what's that course of action? And they answer that in the rest of verse 42, and it says this. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I want to take a few moments and work through these four things because they are paramount to this picture of understanding what it means to belong to the family of God. At the Grove Church, one of the buzzwords you hear from us, hopefully often, is this idea and this word of belonging. We believe God has called us to be a place where everyone can belong, because we want them to know there's a God who loves them like crazy, that they are meant to be in community with other believers, and that they are called to serve all, to contribute what God has given them to do so. We believe in this picture of belonging. 
the early disciples were devoted to this. The picture that I have in my mind, because it's March Madness, so bear with me, is free throw shooters. Some of the most important moments in a basketball game that's close, especially in March Madness, is not the blowout wins, it's the close clutch time free throw shooters. The best free throw shooters, 80 plus percent, 89% of some of the best free throw shooters in the NBA, they are singularly devoted to the work and the grind of shooting free throws at a ridiculous amount of time. Hundreds upon hundreds, they are devoted to shooting free throws. When at the end of practices, in the middle of practices, the beginning of practices, they are consistently faithful to stay the course. They don't think, hey, I've arrived at 80%, so I'm good, I don't have to do anymore. They understand that in order to maintain the course that they're heading on and being a great free throw shooter requires them to stay engaged diligently day after day after day. That's the picture of the early church today. That's the picture that we are wrestling through this conversation of devotion. What does it mean to be devoted? And devoted to what? Devoted to these four things. The first one is the apostles' teaching. Now, simply put for you and I, the easiest way is, is the word of God, scripture, the, the message of Christ, the hope and fulfillment Jesus brings, the provision of his son. All of God's promises that are made in scripture are fulfilled with a yes and a resounding amen in Jesus himself. So for you and I today, we can understand the apostles' teaching to be the message of Jesus, the hope of the world. For the early disciples, they didn't have the New Testament like we have. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. They didn't have the 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. What they had was the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He even said himself, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. So not only did they have the Old Testament to draw from, to point to Jesus, they then had the message of Jesus as he was walking among them. He would teach them. He would tell them. My mind goes to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This incredible message that Jesus is sitting on a hillside with a ton of people, and he's sharing with them kingdom purpose, kingdom values. This is where he doesn't just fulfill the conversation, say, now we're moving on to something new. He elevates the conversation. He, he says things like, you have heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say if you left after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Jesus takes the conversation, fulfills the Old Testament law, then elevates the conversation. So they had, the early disciples, the early apostles had Jesus' life, his story, his messages. He had, they had what Jesus told them to go do, now go and wait. So the early disciples were hungry. The early followers of Jesus were hungry for God's word. They hunger and thirsted. They were anxious. They, they made a, a devoted principle to stay engaged with the teachings of Jesus. My question for us that I feel convicted by is do I have the same hunger to stay singularly devoted to God's word? And here's the thing. My life is busy. I've got three kids under seven years old. I guess under eight years old. Some of you laugh at me. Thank you for that. I actually prefer prayer, but laughter's just as good. <laughs> they keep me busy. They don't just keep me busy. They keep my wife even more busy because I'm a really bad dad. No, I'm just kidding. But the crazy thing is this, like life is busy. I get it. Schedules are demanding. I get it. It was no different. It was just a different way. Life was still demanding. The early believers were devoted they were hungry for God's word. 
because they came to this recognition of the hope of Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah. He fulfilled the Old Testament, the prophecies that existed. He was who he says he was. He died, he rose again, and he showed up. He said, now go wait, because the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you'll be my witnesses. You're called to contribute. You're called to give something. You're called to engage. But what they also knew is they couldn't do it apart from Jesus. They couldn't do it. The early believers were devoted to biblical teaching, as I would phrase it today. The Grove Church were no different. Now, we, we, our heart's desire is to keep the Bible in Christ the central piece of everything we do. Why we gather, why we serve, why we create drive-in gatherings, why we do online worship nights, why we gather in this season is because of Jesus. We don't ever want that message to change. We even have a code that says the methods will change, but the message, which is Jesus, the hope of Christ, never will. We're committed to that. That's why we do a thing called Life Groups pre-COVID. That's why we shifted to a thing called online Zoom discipleship, which I know some of you shifted away from, which is fine. I get it which is why we created strategic environments for community and discipleship because we want the message of Jesus to transform our lives because he's the only one that can. The, the early believers were committed to this. They were committed to sharing meals together with the picture of breaking bread together. Now, the breaking bread is not a phrase a lot of us use today. Hey, you want to break bread with me? No one uses it. Hey, you want to come to my house and have a meal? Come over and have dinner with us. They were committed to developing community and relationship with people. The best thing, have you ever been to someone's house and there was no meal? Does it get awkward? It does for me. I'm like, oh, you look at the time. Hey, my kids, they got to go to bed. It's like 4.30 in the evening. Oh, my kids got to go to bed. I'm like, I'm just kidding. I don't really do that. But it's not nearly as fun as if there's food. Food makes everything better, Right? The disciples, we even saw later on, the followers of Jesus, they, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. There's something about being together with people, eating a good meal. Last night, it's funny, I actually didn't have this in my notes. Last night, my son decided to sit at the table when the rest of my family was going to sit at the counter. He was miserable, he was grumpy, and he was not diligent in eating his dinner. Ever deal with that three-year-old who thinks he knows how to eat, doesn't touch his food? But it was interesting watching this dynamic where he was away from people and it wasn't nearly as fulfilling for him. He was mopey, he was sad, part of he was tired. But it was a different dynamic than if he's sitting at the counter because eating together is so much better than eating alone. The early followers were committed to this. We wanna have relationships. Now the other side of this conversation is they didn't just eat a meal together. They actually also broke bread and has this picture also of taking and participating in communion together. We did this last week as a church family where we paused in our gathering to remember Jesus, to remember the hope of the world, to remember what he did and accomplished on the cross for you and for me, for our neighbors who we don't like across the street. We paused and we realized that, God, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. That for me is where I think their joy and sincere hearts really came from. The value of being reminded of the power of Jesus, the hope of the world, the savior of the world, the mender of broken hearts. They were committed to sharing meals together and remembering Christ in those meals. 
that were devoted to prayer. And I'm not just talking about like a prayer you pray before, well, the prayer you pray before dinner. Okay, who wants to pray? God bless his food arise in Jesus' name, amen. It's almost like a race to see who can get it done the fastest. I remember a missionary that I took uh, a bunch of students to serve with in um, uh, another country. He would award people, this sounds so bad, it's not, it was just kind of a fun thing, but he would award people for the shortest, simplest prayers. Hey, good job, you only took five seconds. And part of it was because praying for a meal is interesting in and of itself, but the challenge was this, like, we sometimes come to the table and be like, well, I just got to pray real quick. You know, I, I don't like going home sometimes because as the designated pastor, I'm also the designated prayer. Aaron, you want to pray for the meal? Yeah, sure, just like I did last year. Great. Because apparently my relationship is more holy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's the interesting thing. We, we look at prayer as, a, as an insignificant portion of our lives sometimes unless we need something. What the, what the early followers are realizing is Jesus has transformed their understanding of prayer. It's produced life and this vibrancy to their prayers. Prayers they grew up learning from Jewish tradition. Prayers they learn as Christians. When Jesus says, hey, when you pray, this is how then you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, how will be thy name? It produced a life-giving, powerful understanding of prayer and this relationship between God and man that Jesus has reconciled. So prayer took on a whole other layer and shape and dynamic for the early church. They were committed to this. It wasn't a formality or ritual. It was a life-giving part of their dynamic and relationship. And then finally, the thing they were committed to is this word called fellowship. And I think we have a misunderstanding of fellowship today where fellowship takes on this word and this verbiage of hanging out, maybe watching a Seahawks game, especially when the playoffs come around. People are like, hey, we got to get together, watch the game. Super Bowl comes around, we got to get together, watch the game. March Madness comes around, some of you are just like, hey, I have to have people over. We have to have chicken wings, we have to have nachos. It's going to be an incredible day. Everyone's got to show up. And the word fellowship here is not, does not mean that. The word fellowship, and this is interesting, is this Greek word called koinonia. Some of us may know what this word, we've heard this word before. But this Greek word koinonia is nowhere in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We don't see this word at all. The first time we see this word koinonia is in the book of Acts chapter, 40, or chapter 2, verse 42. And it's an aftermath of the Holy Spirit empowering his church to do what they're called to do and reach the world. The word koinonia, fellowship, never carried in the turn or never carried the, the connotation of what we can get. It always carried the connotation of what we're called to give. How do we contribute? When I read this and I understand that, it challenges me to think through the lens of what am I actually contributing when I gather with my church family whether I'm online, sitting in my home, whether I'm in a car a little bit later today, whether I'm in person, trying to socially distance with masks on, how do I contribute? What is God asking me to contribute? This is not a plea for money. This is not a plea, this is where you give. Financially, we're gonna have a great offering. To, like, this is not what that is. The conversation of koinonia hinges on our understanding that Jesus is our source, that we're called to gather, to be challenged, to be inspired by the gospel, by the message and hope of Jesus, and then be sent out to contribute to the world around us. 
that we're called as we're sitting in seats to contribute by staying engaged, by taking notes, by reading scripture, and the whole time praying, saying, God, what do you have for me in this moment? The picture of fellowship, the picture of belonging to the family of God hinges not on what we can get, but on what we can give. We're called to be contributors. Dare I use the word not consumers. And if I'm being honest with you, I struggle with this. At times I just want to show up and God, I just need to be encouraged, so just encourage me. But we're not encouraged for our own right. We're encouraged and then we built up so we can be sent out. Remember, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit showed up, empowered the early church and said, go, therefore, and make disciples. We're called to contribute. I don't know how good of a job I do sometimes. And I'm challenged in my mentality when I show up. The early church was committed devoted to these things. What happens as a result? This is one of my favorite parts of this whole passage of scripture. Verse 43 says this, everyone, not most people, not some people, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all believers had all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. It says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Come on, that's the church I want to be a part of. That's who God has called us as the Grove Church to continue to be. We're about belonging the interesting thing about this is I look at a passage like that. It's like, man, they sold everything. They sold all. They sold their possessions and property. God, you want me to sell my house? No. The picture is not that they sold everything they had. The picture is simply this, that they sold the profits, or not the profits, the, the surplus of what they had. That they realized, and this is the kicker. This is the thing for me. They realized that Jesus was enough for them, so they didn't need the excess. They didn't need to hoard their wealth, their property, because Jesus was enough for them. And it begs the question for you and me today, is Jesus enough so for us to contribute as we're called to? This is not me saying, sell your stuff, give to the church, let us distribute the money. This is not me saying you should give up all your time because here's the reality. You are called to steward your family. You are called to steward your spouse. You're called to steward your relationships. You're called to steward your finances. You're called to steward what God has given you. The Bible is very clear. Blessing or the children are a blessing from the Lord. You're called to steward those relationships, to raise them in the way that they should go so that when they get old, they will not depart. But we're not called to hoard. We're called to contribute. It's not about what we can get because Jesus has given us everything. This is challenging to me, and I hope it's challenging to you because Jesus was enough for them. When I think about how this plays out at the Grove Church, when I think about what's next, this simply means this, I don't believe we're done yet. And Nick would point blank tell you, Pastor Nick would say, we're not done yet. 
When I think about how do we continue to create this culture of belonging where people can show up, but they can be well cared for. When hospital visits need, when, when tragedies arise, how can they be cared for? We care about this idea of connection where you're not wandering alone, but where you belong to the family of God. And I love this because as I reflect back on the Grove Church over my eight plus years of being here, I'm reminded of times when life groups have shown up in tragedies just to surround individuals and families to love and to care. Lord, I've seen them when they showed up to celebrate things to rejoice in. I've been, a, I've been a, a, I guess, a recipient of this. Well, we had our, our daughter, April 4th, 2020. She's gonna be a year old, and normally we get to celebrate with everybody. People show up at the hospital, we get to hand her off, which is the fun thing, because the baby season is not my season. Here, you wanna hold my baby? Yeah, you wanna hold my baby? This year, God's like, no, you get to hold your baby. I was like, okay. But I got to celebrate with people. They showed up at my door, porch dropping food and different ideas. I had people show up in my driveway with a truckload of Costco groceries saying, here you go. I'm like, what do I owe you? Nothing, you're good. Come on. I've seen life group after life group after life group engage in incredible community and connection and care. I've seen people show up to hospitals just to sit in the parking lot. So there's a place for someone who needs support to go. I think of our Zoom discipleship, which I know Pastor Nick mentioned last week. Some people just zoomed out, I get it. But I can't tell you some of the stories of life transformation from the start of session one to the end. That I'm listening and hearing from different individuals about a marriage group that is transforming their marriage and bringing them more closely together. Of of a, a focus with a women's group where individuals from the beginning to the end, it's, it's nine day different. God is showing up in Zoom discipleship, come on, like in, in homes away from a gathering face to face. Lord, I wanna be a part of a church that lives are being transformed. Even if it means Zoom discipleship for another season. The things are countless where I've seen people get baptized because of what God has done through love, care, and connection from belonging to a church family in the midst of a pandemic. We're not done yet, people. We wanna be a part of a church where everyone is filled with awe, where they're cared for, they're connected. But it's not what you can get. You don't come here thinking, man, I just wanna get this, 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 and this. All throughout scripture, we see what it means to be a part of the family of God sharing each other's burdens, showing up, being supportive and caring, holding each other accountable to truth. But it's not meant for us just to consume so we can then feel better, but it's for us to be sent out so we can then contribute because koinonia matters. So where are we going? We're gonna continue to strive to create environments where belonging happens wonderfully, where individuals like yourselves can feel well-cared for, well-connected to a church family so you're not on an island by yourself. But what it hinges on and requires is each of us to prayerfully consider, Jesus, are you enough for me? And what are you asking me then to contribute? One of the things that I'm excited about is a recognition of something we've not done well at the Grove Church 
And that's this young adult age demographic from 18 to 25, 26 years old. Where the hope is coming mid-April, we're actually gonna start the launch of a young adult ministry where we create an environment strategically for young adults to gather, to engage in community, and to build relationships with fellow believers. That the apostles teaching that the message of Christ would be foundational. And we're seeing this in droves, even as Pastor Jesse brought up a couple weeks back, that we would create a strategic place for young adults to belong because the church family needs this generation. And we need to find ways to love, to include, to care and belong more strategically. So one of the things we're doing is coming up is we're gonna launch this young adult ministry. So maybe you're a young adult here today, maybe you're tuning in online, be ready because what's next is coming and I want you to be ready for it. But it begs the final question is what do we then do? The biggest answer that I can give you is pray. As we get further into this series, there's gonna be moments I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna tug at your hearts saying that's what's next for you. But I believe it hinges not just on this conversation from last week where being a follower of Jesus means we lay down our lives, but being a follower of Jesus laying down our lives also means that Jesus is enough for us and we're called not to come in and get only, but to then contribute and impact the world around us. Sometimes within the church organization and sometimes without, but God has called us in preparing us for what's next in this new season. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that you would find the strength and the joy and the fulfillment in Jesus alone. I wanna pray for you today, but I'm excited about what's next. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about where God's taken us. And my hope is as you lean in even more week to week to week, that it would become more clear what God is asking you to do. Because he has a call and he has a purpose for you to be able to bring to the table and engage with what he's asking you to engage with. So Lord, today I pray for my friends and my family. I pray that you would help guide and guard every bit of our hearts today against the lies of the enemy, against the things that would say, yeah, but... Lord, I pray we would come in humility with our hands open, saying, okay, Lord, Jesus, you're enough. Show me where I'm not believing that fully. Give me a deeper trust in you and help me to then live in a manner that is outward, engaged, focused. I thank you today for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.